Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Raven has become a local celebrity in South Beach, an icon. When we're not on the run and just walking around the city, people recognize him wherever we go. They understand that what he's done here is truly special, and the community has found a way to show their appreciation. People that uh, grew up here in South Beach, a very, very close-knit type of family. South Beach is only eight miles long. As I first started running, the, the last thought in my mind was what it means to the community. It was just, it was just a uh, friendly presence that, that drew me back. But since then, almost 19 years I've been running with him, he has assumed a certain status in the community. The community recognized him and his accomplishment. There's a, a Raven Day on Miami Beach. He's been presented the key to the city, served on the as an unelected but appointed member of the uh, city commission. He's sought after for his opinion on what he observes happening on the beach, the good and the bad. I got to say, I've known him for a long time and I've enjoyed watching him rise to the occasion and to, uh, to become something really bigger than, than just running itself. He's really uh, a Miami Beach icon. In the 70s, nobody ran. That wasn't a thing. I mean, yeah, it was, it was becoming a thing, but now there are thousands and thousands of people running. You know, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions running all around the world. So it's just obviously running changed in the 70s, and, and he changed with it, and he, and he brought it with him. So he, he really is, again, to me, an icon and uh, a trendsetter. Not a goody-goody. He knows the seamy side of life. He's not threatening. He's not judgmental. He really crosses all barriers. He can hang out with some, some tough guys, but he hangs out with nice people, too. It's helped the community. I've learned from reading and hearing different things about him that the community does value him. March 17th, they closed the beach uh, 2020. Never thought they ever could close the beach, but they did. We had a little thing called COVID where everything was locked down. It was locked down to the point where where they closed Miami Beach. They actually put tape across all the entrances. Cops would be out patrolling. Nobody used to go on the beach. They didn't want anyone congregating. They didn't want small groups. They didn't want large groups. They didn't want any groups on the beach. Just uh, started running on the concrete. I did as much sand as I could. I did the back beach. I did the uh, Loomis Park. Any any bit of sand I'd run on. And sometimes I think I was getting as much as... um, maybe five miles on sand, and some days three. Back behind the condos between fourth and third, there's a lot of rocks. So I had to really be careful, but it was sand, so I stayed I stayed on it. And people are saying, man, you know, that's really gonna hurt your back, isn't it? I said, yeah, it's hurting my back, and every day I felt a little bit worse. Meanwhile, I was making it. Exactly two weeks to the day, it was uh, April 1st, when the lifeguards says, we just got an email, and uh, you are free to go on the beach. Only you. I went right over the wall. As soon as I can get over the wall, I went right for the sand. I did the rest of the run on the sand, like I always do, alone. 
maybe the last tenth of a mile or so, a cop stops me and says, you're not supposed to be on the beach. You know, you can get arrested. And I said, well, I, I got permissions. You know, lifeguards told me, says, we're higher than the lifeguards. He was like a new guy. You know, we're, we're like above them. It's just, life's too short to waste time arguing and fighting. Just, I like to live in peace, especially now, you know, older. Next day, I went to lifeguard headquarters and uh, I told them, and I said, can I get a copy of that email? And they printed it out. I had it with me and, and the word was out. By then, the cops already knew uh, that I had the permission. So they were out there and um, they didn't say nothing or, or a couple of them waved. And I just put like nose to the grindstone, nose to the sand, just did my thing and was gone. You know, didn't stay out any longer than, uh, than I had to and, you know, went, went home. And so the community recognizing his streak and, and what it's meant to so many people that he's drawn in actually let him run every day on the beach alone. It was, uh, I think, about a three-month period where, and only him. The respect he's earned on the beach is undeniable. The Raven shows his own gratitude and respect for others on Miami Beach, specifically the lifeguards. The, the beach has changed a lot since I've been there, but I mean, I'll, he's seen a lot of lifeguards start working, retire, and he knows their kids or grandkids. He, he's basically part of the lifeguard. If you go to work, you're going to see him run. The tide goes in and out, and you're going to see the Ravens run at his usual time. You know, he don't, he, He's almost like an honorable lifeguard. In appreciation to the lifeguards of my beach, Ravens started hosting a, a barbecue the last Friday of March of every year. And he did that for many, many years. He still does it, but it's nowhere near what it was back in the 80s and 90s. You had all the lifeguards, and and if life and if lifeguard retired during that year, he would be the special guest. And and that was a great because you would meet people, you would meet the lifeguards, their families, and then you would meet guys from the '60s, Florida champions, Mr. Florida, Mr. Florida Olympia, and they would come to these parties. I've gotten a chance to know a lot of the Raven runners, and it wasn't until I started to run with them more that our conversations got much deeper. I began to think of this from Raven's perspective and the unique look that he gets on things day in, day out with these runners. People talk to me about just about everything, you know, from relationships, uh, financial problems, sports, running, injuries. Everything comes up on the run, it seems like, one way or another. Their, their work, maybe he's in real estate, and you're not, you know, you're not really... Uh, <laughs> a real estate person but you uh you listen as a friend but it's not not something i'd be i'd ever be wanting to talk about there's a lot of psychiatric work though some people just need an ear to listen you know i'll I'll tell my my troubles too but i I don't like to dwell on my own stuff because you know i can i can go on too i don't want to be one of these long talkers and short listeners you know so i just i like to listen to people and be positive. Says, yeah, you're losing weight. You're you're looking better all the time, and that little that little boost gets them going. Or uh, you're getting in really good shape. I mean, you're gonna have no problem finding somebody, whether you know male or female. We're like psychiatrists. I I, I feel like I am sometimes without a degree. Well, it's a degree in life by being out there and uh, uh, being social and listening to people. One of the other runners, he was going through a bad time in his life, and. He said, you know, some people find Jesus. He said, I found Raven, you know. So it's very inspiring and uh, the 
the amount of, I don't know how much burden this is on Raven's shoulders. I hope it isn't, but, you know, a lot of people do confide in him and, and talk to him about their problems and everything. And he seems to help everybody. And I've never seen him get angry or, you know, shout. I'm like, I don't know how he does it. And I hope some of that has rubbed off on me. So, yeah, very good influence for me, for sure. Without naming names, I've seen countless people who Raven has, in one way or another, inspired and caused that individual to get back on track in life. And um, there's been some quite remarkable stories where Raven has has been so influential in uh, in getting people back on track. He, like so many in South Beach, there's so many characters in South Beach, and he's one that has not only impacted the the community he lives in, but with so many visitors from around the world. He's got so many countries represented in the many that have gone as far as to earn the nickname, which is to say have run the full eight miles with him. For so many of us, we associate that section of that part of the world with him. He's like having the Eiffel Tower or like having, I mean, yeah, that sounds grandiose and everything. But when you think of Paris, you think of the Eiffel Tower. And when I think of South Beach and that section of South Beach, once I get towards Ocean Drive, you don't have to see Raven or go out there and run with him to know he's definitely there, just like the Eiffel Tower is there right now. You know, he's definitely there on the beach this afternoon just like yesterday and just like he will be tomorrow. That kind of consistency is, it's a part of the character of the community. When I told some friends of my family that I've known since childhood, that I run with this guy that runs every day. Now they, they have a condo up on 43rd Street, I think it is. And they're like, yeah, we know that guy. <laughs> they, they're not runners. Yeah, we know that guy. Long hair and the beard, right? Yep, that's him. There's no denying the impact Raven's had on so many. It's pretty powerful that the mere events of your life can shape others around you. How a stolen song led to all of this. In running with Raven, it was great to finish the eight miles and get a name, but I really couldn't stop there. I had to keep running. I've even gone as far as to start my own running streak. And when I tell others and they ask me why, well, it leads back to the story of Robert Ravencraft. Maybe, this causes a trickle effect in hopes that they too will find inspiration and motivation just to get out there and not stop. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Raven's consistent running continued. And with this, he was able to feel better about himself and be inspired to write more songs. He became determined to stay on track. 
and finally decided to take things to another level. Can we go to January 1st, 1975? I can tell you exactly what kind of day it was. It was sunny, bright, and crisp and cold. And I'm running with Bulldog that day. And I had told him, I'm going to try to run eight miles a day every day of the year for 1975. Not take a day off. So he looked at me and said, yeah, yeah, Johnny, you're not going to be able to do that. And I said, I said, I'm going to try. You know, I'm pretty stubborn. And uh, I think he did about maybe three miles with me, and I just kept going for that eight. Came back the next day and did it again. Call it being stubborn or his new obsession. But once the raven sets his mind on something, there isn't much that he'll let get in his way. And he was going to find out that there was a lot ahead that would try to stop him. The 5th of January, my grandma died. And on January 15th, I got food poisoning for the first time real bad with some uh, exotic dancer from Canada. Shin splints came. I stepped on a nail. Pneumonia. It wasn't easy, but, but I did it. So already I was having challenges. The lifeguard said to me, he says, you're just not quitting, are you? I said, no. And I had pneumonia on December, sneezing, wheezing, coughing, hacking. I'm not quitting. And that was the first year. So this is where it all started. Overcoming all the obstacles, he made it. Eight miles every day in 1975. It was hard to comprehend just how far he had run in the first year. 2,920 miles. Miami to Los Angeles is 2,749. That is 171 miles farther than the distance between his house and his father's in Los Angeles. I had so many questions on all the particulars surrounding the run. Like how did he pick his routes? Who was the first to officially run the full eight with him? Or what kind of shoes did he wear? Sneakers, I tried barefoot, yeah. Bulldog gave me a pair of boxing shoes. I ran in combat boots that I used to work in the old age home with. The cheap sneakers didn't work. The boots were heavy, but it was a degree of difficulty with the heavy shoes. I tried like just plain socks. By running every day, at the end of the day, there was no skin on my toes. So it was pretty painful. I used to buy Band-Aids, a hundred a box, you know, like 10 boxes at a time. And they used to look at me and... um, where I got the bandies, like in the drugstore. Like, man, and I come in there often for these bandies, like every couple of weeks. They didn't say anything, but they just looked at me kind of weird, like, you know, why is this guy buying so many band-aids? They're for each toe. You know, sometimes even with putting them on each toe, the sand would get in there and grind in there, and there'd be no skin left. The skin would be raw. Who would have thought? And then the astrologer said to me in 77, they got... Shoes made just for running, called Nike. And I got a pair. My feet weren't so bad then. And then New Balance were wide. I had always had wide feet. That's kind of been my shoes since. From Nike to New Balance, with the New Balance 1080s being the official shoes he wears still today. As he tells me this, I look down at his shoes and I can't help but notice. This pair looks like it's nearing retirement. The lace is in pretty good shape, but the sides look worn down and you can tell they've seen a lot of miles. He then proceeds to tell me that he gets about two to 3,000 miles on the sand with them. The routes, I started the thing with the two days close by and one day long. Like yesterday was at 35th Street, today, was, today and tomorrow are gonna be close, and then I go to 47. 
So I, I, I heard that from a fireman. Yeah, fireman says we have a, a schedule where we do one day on and then two days off, like 24 on, 48 off. And I said, oh, I don't, I don't, just something clicked. So says, why not run one day north and then the, two, the next two days back and forth? When you turn at Espanola Way or Lincoln Road, you get a breeze. It's always from the south in the summertime. So as hot and as bad as it might feel for the heat, you get that breeze. And this back and forth really can be, is a savior. You get the restrooms or people want water. But when you go to 47th, you turn at the pier in the summer, it's like you just went into an oven. There's just no break. There's, the sun's behind you, and you're just sweating for four straight miles all the way up until you make the turn. You, you get the breeze, and the rest is basically a breeze, almost. Raven is officially running every day, focused on fighting through the pain, and he doesn't forget about his passion for songwriting. He gets his friends to help record with him. In 75, I did record a little bit with Coyote. And I think uh, Astrologer and this girl Josephine sang back, back up on a just a, a little homemade recording we did. I wrote a song. I, I woke up. I was, I was living with the Astrologer then, on and off. And I woke up, and there was a guy living in her building. It was like a Cuban version of Nixon. And I had a dream. He took her away. She hated him. He hated her, but I had this dream. And uh, I wrote a song called, I may be leaving, but I sure ain't gone. That was it. I may be leaving, but I sure ain't gone. Yeah, that was, had a nice melody. And then they did the harmonies with me. Running alone was always his way, until his friend Coyote decided to run with him. It would slowly grow into something, which I believe would help to continue to motivate the Raven. I, I just kept running every day. I wasn't even thinking about it. Coyote did the first run. You know, he wrote songs, he played harmonica, he played guitar, and he's, he was an athletic guy, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the eight miles. He had to go near the shoreline, though. He didn't do the whole thing on the soft sand because everything was soft sand. So he went ahead to go near the shoreline a little bit. So I was strict. I didn't give, him, didn't give him soft sand on that. The soft sand, for reference, is probably the hardest spot to really run on the beach. And it's where Raven started. This is the area above the shoreline and equal the lifeguard stands. So just imagine running lifeguard stand to lifeguard stand. This is the soft sand. Yeah, he hung in good. He was... And I remember I came home and told the astrologer that uh, Coyote did the run. She says, you know, you ought to keep a list. Boy did, that, boy, did that start something. Raven's list has officially started. Fueled by his love for baseball and statistics, he breaks down the who, what, when for each of the runners, which is now at 95 pages. This is where it started. Got my uh, second runner, Phoenix. He says, uh... You're the raven and I'm the phoenix. I'm coming up from the ashes. Military guy. A little younger than I was. I guess the second time he run, Bulldog was there. Bulldog says, with his accent, he goes, he's been sipping all night. He could smell the alcohol coming out of him. So I knew the guy. He drank and he ran, but he, he was kind of a good guy. Then he disappeared. Yule, Yule, he was the third runner. I'd, and there was a bagel shop right across the street from the bus stop. They were 
baking bagel. The guy shoveling the bagels in the oven. I thought he was a you know, middle-aged guy. He had no hair, you know, little, little stocky guy, I'd say, strong. Everybody knew Yule, you know, because he played pool, he was like a tough guy. You know, I'd see him sometimes all decked out like a little, he had like a gangster look. He got so strong because he was the guy shoveling the bagels in. He started coming out to the beach, and Yule had his, you know, he, he was an arm wrestler. He, his power was arm wrestling. Yule was only like five, six maybe, but he'd see a big guy and go, I, I could take this guy, you know. But he, he'd beat the biggest motorcycle, you know, Hell's Angel guys. He'd do it on garbage cans or whatever, in bars. That was his big thing. And he, he, he would get these challenges on the beach. Like he'd, he'd get a rock and you throw the rock in a garbage can. He'd have you run with the rock and then he'd go in the ocean. He'd make up these little challenges for people. He got me doing a few little things. I, I didn't want to hurt myself because I had to run every day. He would lose weight and gain weight every year. He'd go from like 129, because he was small, then he'd go over to 220, then back, he fluctuate. So one year he decides, he's come, he comes out in a rubber suit. He wants to lose weight that year, and that's the only run he ever did with a, in a rubber suit. And you'll, that you'll and I stayed friends until he died two years ago. He was 71. I can see how what started as a few runners would grow in time. I was curious if you ever branched out to other forms of running, like races or marathons. I know in current day, he's against the idea of ever having to pay to run. But was it always like that? The first and only race that I did was called the Race of the Americas, and it was eight miles. How can I not do that? And somebody offered to pay my way in. I never paid to run. This guy paid my entry, and I started training. Running eight miles on the beach in the daytime, and at night I'd be running eight miles at night. I go all the way up to Pine Tree Drive and 63rd Street and come around. And uh, so there's there a few days I did 16. And I remember, oh God, I remember training for that. Going up Pine Tree Drive, and there's this guy named uh, Joe the Mailman. He might still be alive. He was 55 then. So 55 and that's 42, 43 years ago. So he, he passes me. He wore a little bikini. He passes me in the middle of the night on Pine Tree Drive and laughs at me. You know, I said, oh man, that guy can't pass me. And Bulldog would always say, as much as that guy's running, he never gets better, he never improves his body. When, it, when the race came, you know, I never did a race, but I remember when, when it started, I'm watching these people get ahead of me. You know, and they're all, a lot of them, they take off fast. And I just kind of watched and, you know, and I, was, I was trained for it. I started building up and, you know, I started getting faster with each mile. The seventh mile, I got Joe the Mailman and laughed at him. I got him back. And that was the fastest eight miles I ever did because I don't think I ever did eight miles on the cement again. So 55.50, I believe it was. It was like 150 of a close to 1,000, you know. But I was 28 years old. When I played baseball, I always wanted to win, be, be competitive, be the best. And I didn't, I didn't come in number one. So I said, well, maybe if I just run every day, maybe I'll be number one someday. Who knows? The abuse he's put on his body in the early years was clearly visible. I can see the marks and scars on his legs as he's telling me the story. But the injuries didn't really slow him down. He never did race again. But if there was a first place for running through your injuries, I think Raven would take it. I jumped off the wall at the Deco Plage, 100 Lincoln Road and uh, hit wrong. This whole calf, ligaments and tendons were all torn up. 
And, I, and if you look at my leg, it's still, I got a, it's still swollen and the varicose vein is stick, sticking out. I was dragging my leg for about three months from May till August of uh, 79. And I remember the astrologer was giving me psychic healing. She was going like this over my leg, putting her arms, my hand, her hands and going into a trance. She got me some DSMO the they put on horses. It was hurting for weeks, but I kept going. And of course that throws your whole stride off. My, my knee was hurting, my hip was hurting. Yeah, it went right in, I heard, I heard it go like that. I could feel it and I could hear the crunch, that switching sound. Many a day, I thought, especially in the beginning. Once it started like improving a little, you know, after maybe two months, 60, 60 days, I started feeling, I think I'm gonna beat this. But the first, I'd say 60 days, I was, was torture. I winced just thinking about running through pain like that. It seemed like he was hit from all sides, as if fate was daring him to keep running. Just looking at the marks on his legs, I could see so many stories in each and every pain he has experienced. 57 times I've been stung, but only twice real bad. And the first time was January 5th, 80. I'm finishing the swim. There's the rope line at 6th Street where we finish. And I decide, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I'll take another 10 strokes or something. And bam, I got whacked. It's on me, but I don't know to take the tentacles off me. So they're on me, and the more they're on you, the more poison is getting inside your body. I must have grabbed my clothes, got to the street like it, it hurt, it burned. I could hardly breathe. That was the worst I ever had. Another time in April of uh, 80-something, I had it all over me. My neck, my chest, my legs, my back, my feet, my fingers, you know, you name it, covered. And I, I went home, and there was this, like, little blue line stuck, and I didn't know to get them off. I went in the shower, hot shower, and I felt better. So when I went to the beach the next day to run, the lifeguard, the gunny, we called him the gunny, he was a Marine Corps instructor, great guy. He looks at me and says, you know, I've been out here for about 15 years. That's the worst man of worst thing I've ever seen. He says, it must have really hurt. I said, it really did, yeah. Despite getting the worst stings in apparently 15 years, he still continued running. And it's almost like no matter what gets in his way, he just runs through it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. While he was motivated, it was not always easy. But even in the hardest times, he somehow found a way to continue on. So I was running under the pier every day, and uh, you know, it seemed like the, the tide and the, and the water and the sand kept getting closer and closer in. So I say to myself, I'm going to go 
a little further in to get my shoes don't get soaked. And as I, I did that, someone stood up and I turned a little further to avoid it and wasn't looking, bang, right, right in the piling, covered in blood. You know, my glasses, I can't see, like um, just covered in blood. Touched my head, it's real soft. I said, oh shit, this has got to be bad. And the first person I see when I come out is this guy, his name is Lloyd Long, paramedic, good friend of mine. We worked out together, we did pull-ups, we, we ran, and he looks at me, he says, look, you're going to have to go to the hospital, you're going to have to get stitches, you're not going to die, basically you'll be all right, you know, in time. It's it's busy Sunday afternoon, lifeguards, the guy lies me down, and he's cleaning my fingers, cleaning my glasses, a guy named the Gator, and they get this guy, Donnie Schubert, to take me to the hospital. An old friend, he was a lifeguard, and he's the same age as me, and he's speeding over the causeway, top speed, not because he wants to get me to the hospital quicker, because he's all upset about his girlfriend getting pregnant. You know, he's pissed off about that. I said, Donnie, take it easy. The more he was talking, the more angry he got, not even asking me how I feel. So they get me in a room, they they, they put me at the painkillers, they stitch me up, you know, and they tell me I have a concussion. You got to stay here for a few days. I said, no, get me out of here. The lifeguards will get me back to the beach. And I look down the hall. There comes Donnie and, and another lifeguard called the stud. I said, they'll, they'll get me back. I'm all right. I got out of there. And uh, they bring me back to um, Christine, the astrologer. Uh, she knew what happened. She was on the beach. They all told her. They dropped me at her place. I dropped my clothes at her door. And I said, I got to finish the run. And she says, oh, how are you going to do that? So I'm just going to, you know, run. And she runs out following me with a flashlight. So every time I went back and forth, I had about five more miles to go. She, she, I, she, she, she couldn't run with me, but she was shining the light. And after all that, I went swimming. It was August 1st. It was hot. Of course, they told me not to go swimming. So a couple of the stitches popped. And after all that, I went to work that night. Security. There's something really special about hearing him recall this night having a partner like the astrologer to help him. Crazy sometimes how we take for granted the people in our lives and the roles that they play. She was 21 years older than me, but she, you know, she brought me into a different world and I brought her into a different world because she didn't follow uh, country music or anything. And I kind of turned her on to Elvis. And she thought Elvis could have been an opera singer. She, she, she loved, loved Elvis, loved Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings because of me. Didn't like Hank Williams Jr., but we went to his concert once and she wrecked her car. She always thought he was kind of arrogant, but uh, very talented. I, I, I didn't think so. She did, in case Hank's listening. Well, she'd always make a big deal over Christmas. <laughs> Christmas was a big deal for her. But she would celebrate Christmas all, I mean, she'd have the tree up until July sometimes, the Christmas tree. And uh, I remember at one time, manager of her building says, you know, uh, Miss Whiting's. she's playing Jingle Bells in the middle of July. <laughs> I said, I know, I know. She loves Christmas. She always made the holidays special, and I kind of miss it. That was something. And, and the only time she'd ever cook was Thanksgiving or Christmas, make a big duck. While the Raven was finding stability in a relationship, things would drastically change on South Beach. More lifeguards started joining me for just, like, they can only do from their lifeguard stand and back or sometimes they'd go a little further. One guy used to sneak out for 
for three miles. He'd go from the pier, from a stand like A Street to the pier and back to 14th. And now he'd be gone for like half an hour or 40, 40 minutes. So, but he wasn't supposed to leave it. He could never leave the tower half, you know, 40 minutes now. But this guy did. There was just nothing going on. This is kind of like before the um, Mariels came and old people, the dredging, the beach was empty. 90 miles south off the coast of Florida, Fidel Castro would make a decision that would change South Beach forever and change the course of history. Good evening. Politicians from several states tonight are sharply criticizing President Carter's handling of the Cuban refugee problem. Today, the Cuban sea lift slowed a bit, but since last month, 25,000 refugees from Castro's Cuba have come to America. Between midnight and noon today, 23 boats filled with over 800 Cubans reached Key West, Florida. U.S. Marines are now on duty at Key West to keep order among the restless refugees waiting resettlement in the United States. Well, at first it was confusion, that's the word, and then we saw what we were getting. Castro's criminals. Only a small percentage of those who came on the Mariel boat lift were either hardened criminals, mental patients, or communist agitators, but they have left their mark. The old people, they, they, they started getting really scared. And I remember one old lady says on that condo right behind the lifeguard stand on 5th Street, I would take 20000 to just to get out of here. And you know, of course, it was worth, even then, it was worth 100 plus. And uh, most of them left. Allendale, the ones that stayed, you know, they died off, but most of them just left, fearing for their life. And uh, I, uh, I was uh, naive, I was young, I, you know, I had nowhere to go. And I, piece of, my friends like Bruno would say, if you stay down there, you're going to die. And I said, I got nowhere to go and can only get better. And it did. It took a while. Took about four years, five years. It got a little better. I'd see these guys stealing things, and the lifeguard would go after a guy and throw me the radio, and I call it in, or I'd go after the guy and they'd call it in, and then we'd tell we'd lifeguards and I would tell each other, "Look out for this guy." I said, "Look out for that guy." The dredging is is definitely in full force. Uh, there's a picture on my wall here, uh, October 31st, 1981. Is a big pile of sand in front of the Sixth Street lifeguard stand. And the title, the, the title on the on the picture says, "Not a wave in sight." Bigfoot and I. He was a, he was a rookie lifeguard then, and the beach was basically empty because the, the, the Marielle boat lift, the dredging, no girls were coming, no tourists were coming. Uh, beach was just turned upside down, dead. I tell you, it happened real quick. It just one day it's uh, old people and everything's peaceful and quiet and the next day you got all these scumbags, uh, perverts, drug dealers, killers, thieves, mental cases, all in South Beach. Most people left. I stuck it out. My friends would say to me, um, if you hang around, you're going to get killed. If you stay there, you're going to get killed. And I was like, I got nowhere to go. It was definitely a unique time on South Beach. And around this time, things were changing drastically. But not for the Raven. The Raven stayed consistent with his goal to keep running eight miles every day. I was always leaving, leaving someone behind. Traveling a hundred thousand miles, eight miles at a time. 
Searching for the truth Heard some lies along the way Found light in the darkness Running eight miles a day Seen every single sunset Blazing heat pouring rain Blinded by the lightning Eight miles a hurricane They said run, raven run What are you running from? You've been running so long And you're only eight miles gone I was never one to follow Follow the pack Just know where to turn Down the eight-mile track I'm training for tomorrow That's the way it is for me There's no price to pay Eight miles running free Never been in rush hour I had another plan Outside of the norm Doing eight miles in the sand They said run, brave and run What are you running from? You've been running so long And you're only eight miles gone Running when I'm feeling bad Running when I'm tired Running when I had no work Running when I was fired Running when my heart was broke Running when I was lame Running when I had no hope Running when in pain Running when I was weak Running when I was strong Running when I needed sleep Running eight miles gone I'm not the fastest, fastest doesn't always win to come back tomorrow and do eight miles again finding my answers running like a fugitive taming my anger eight miles to forgive before Forrest Gump simple is simple me let me be your inspiration and do eight miles with me they said run, brave and run, what are you running from? You've been running so long, and you're only eight miles gone. They said run, brave and run, what are you running from? You've been running so long, and you're only eight miles gone. Raven is a production of Imperative Entertainment and Life is My Movie Entertainment. Hosted by me, Vincent Vittorio. Executive produced by Jason Hoke, Claudio Zungri, Vincent Vittorio, and Laura Caulfield. Original music, Louis Harrell. Original songs, Robert Raven Craft. Audio mixing, Rosario Onion Suarez and Craig Sheffield. Story editors, Vincent Vittorio, Eric Ricks, Teen Ow, Carolyn Harvey, Jessica Vittorio, and Jeremy Marr. Original photography, Mary Beth Kaith. Cinematography and editing, Ashton McCammon and Marley Mullis. A very special thanks to Raven and the entire running community 
If you want to run with Raven, you can find him every day on Miami Beach's 5th Street lifeguard stand. 5.30 daylight savings time and 4.30 regular time. In addition to the podcast, we created some bonus video content. Find it on our YouTube channel at Life Is My Movie. If you like this show, please tell your friends and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening.